Welcome to The Caleb Show. This is a show about the Bible, about renewing, and about the mind, where every week we discuss how the Word of God is sufficient for day-to-day living, no matter what is happening in your life. You will be challenged to make the Bible an essential part of your thinking and living. Join us now as we investigate the world with the ancient truth of God's Word. Greetings, welcome, Saubonas, they say in Zululand, it's nice to have you back to the show where we talk about the Bible, we talk about its sufficiency, we talk about renewing the mind, we talk about what we think about, Uh, we talk about the scriptures. So, ever thought of this idea of cursing? And I don't necessarily mean like using foul language per se, but this idea of cursing as in to detest or to loathe somebody uh, or something, but we're not talking about things, we're talking about people. Because we're living in an environment right now where I think due to the coronavirus and due to a lot of people's pent-up frustrations, Black Lives Matters has been a big deal right now in the news, and there's been health issues have been a big deal right now in the news, public safety, how one person acts to treat another person, all that kind of thing is a big deal right now uh, in the news and, and worldwide, actually. And this idea of, of almost a polarizing effect that is taking place within people's thinking and within people's minds, and everybody feels like their position is the absolute correct position, and then as a result, they almost have the right or the freedom to uh, get upset with everybody else. <laughs> or maybe they don't think that outright, but that's exactly how they are acting in a lot of ways. But this idea of cursing is quite important. Jesus himself said that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so the things that we talk about on a regular basis are the things that our heart, it's coming out of our heart. And your heart is that part of your whole system that it's sort of the the general health of your system. In your body, the health of your heart is reflected in the health of you as a person. It's the same in the spiritual world. The health of your spiritual heart reflects out the health of you as a whole person. So people who are generally grumpy and down and complaining and argumentative and whatever, these are people, it's a reflection of the character, the character traits of their heart. So let's read Psalm 109, verse 17 to verse 20. He that loved cursing, so let it come to him. And he, as he did not delight in blessing, so let it be far from him. So David here is saying, if you love cursing, then just accept it and bring it into yourself. Okay, so this word cursing here, in Hebrew, it's the word kelalah, kelalah. And so it means to curse, it means to vilify, and it ha- there's a, mar- a marvelous word, it means to execrate, execrate. And I had to look that word up, I, it's not a word that we use in our common everyday English, unless you're maybe a literary professor or something. But it means to feel or express great loathing, or to detest so if you loathe a person, and they're just like, oh, that person just drives me mad, then you're execrating them. You're, and the things you say about them become almost a curse. Now, several days ago, uh, or a week or two ago, I guess, we were watching Answers News, which is a 
couple times a week put out by Answers in Genesis, and they comment on various news reports that are coming out. And in one of their episodes, Ken Ham, the founder of Answers in Genesis, was say <laughs> he was sharing a comment that somebody made about him. And, of course, he's in the news a good bit because they built the Ark Encounter and they have their creation museum. But they have a new exhibit coming up, which is called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And in this exhibit, it's talking about the wonders of life and the development of babies in the mother's womb. And it deals with the issues of abortion and things like that. But this woman commented on Ken Ham and, the, and what he shared was, <clears throat> is that she said, I wish you had been aborted. So that is a curse, actually. I don't know who this person was, but Ken Ham rightly said, see, she admits here in her statement that she wishes I had been murdered or my life had been snuffed out before I was born, and so she wouldn't doesn't have to deal with me or whatever, because he holds to a position, the biblical position of God created all humans and made them in his image, and therefore, if you are destroying another person, you're destroying it affect the image of God. You are hating God when you are destroying humans. And so the pro-choice crowd wants to give people the freedom to destroy a representation of the image of God. So they're, they're basically attacking God himself is what they're doing. I mean, that's the kick-on effect from that. And it's the same thing in persecution against the church or, the, or even Jewish people. Because Jewish people are under covenant with God. The church is a body of people who are in covenant with God. And when Paul the Apostle, or he wasn't the Apostle at the time, he was Saul uh, the rabbi, when he was going around having Christians arrested, having believers in Jesus arrested, and it, he even says later that he cast his vote against them, which means that he uh, acknowledged that it, they are worthy of death, then Jesus comes to him in a vision and says, why are you persecuting me? And so uh, Marxism and uh, atheistic, atheistic views that are against the church and uh, Islam and these different ideologies. Right now, Hinduism in India is becoming very prolific in, in persecuting the church of India. Of course, we see it in China as well, North Korea, a lot of the Muslim world. These are direct attacks. Because they're attacks on God's people, they're attacks on Jesus Christ himself. The same is true with abortion. If you are uh, uh, this, these acts perpetrated against innocent, defenseless human beings is an attack against God himself. And so this lady says, well, I wish you had been aborted. In other words, um, you know, it's like this is my way of for legal murder to take place is what it is. So it's a curse. Now, this gets really serious in what David is saying. So David here in Psalm 109, he says, As he loved cursing, so let it come to him. As he did not delight in blessing, so let it be far from him or her, as the case may be. As he clothed himself with cursing as with a garment, so let it enter his body like water and like oil into his bones. Let it be to him like the garment which covers him and for a belt which he girds himself continuously. So what David is saying here is that if you if you want to curse a person, if you want to loathe a person, if you want to have uh, extremely unpleasant feelings toward a person, then, I mean, for instance, uh, white supremacy. Now I'm talking about white supremacy, the kind of idea that says that that 
black people or Asians or whatever, racism, that person is less than me because I am superior to them. This kind of thing where you basically are are painting an entire group of people a certain way and calling them almost less than human or or less than your respect or whatever, this is a kind of cursing. So, it, I mean, this is, it presents itself in a whole variety of ways. But uh, uh, feminism back toward men or whatever, this you could apply it to in any sort of way, in any sort of social arrangement that you want. Uh, but what David is saying here is let this sort of mindset, let this sort of condition of the heart be a garment on them. Now, let's understand the biblical idea of a garment. So in the Bible, you have the garments of salvation, the robes of righteousness. You have the armor. Uh, the, the, in Ephesians, Paul talks about armor. These are things you wear, a helmet, breastplate, belt, uh, the sword you put on, shoes on your feet. Uh, we In book of Revelation, it talks about the saints being given linen garments that are righteousness. Uh, linen represents the righteousness of the saints. And so these kind of ideas of putting something on. So when you wake up in the morning and you're standing there naked in your room, you choose the clothes you want to wear. So let's say uh, you're a cop. So you're not going to put on medical scrubs. You're going to put on a bulletproof vest. You're going to put on uh, a belt with your bullets and your gun and your radio. You're going to have your your badge on. Your, all these things are reflective of who you are in your your official position as a trained law enforcement officer. This is what you wear. Uh, if you're a lawyer, typically you're going to wear a suit. If you are a... Uh, construction worker, you might have a hard hat on and you might have a tool belt on. All of these things, and I mentioned the medical profession with the scrubs and that, you can often recognize a person's profession by what they are wearing. And so, you know, I often see people wearing scrubs, or of course you see the firemen, you see the the whatever, and you identify them by the clothes they wear. And, uh, you know, the old saying, the clothes make the man. And so that then, and then even in your off-duty time, I mean, let's say you're not these things. Let's say, you know, you're it, near where I live, they have a big Harley uh, biker rally every year. So all these guys show up and they're identifying themselves as part of the biker crowd because they got leather vests on that have American, eagle, American flags and eagles on the back. And they all ride around in their bikes and they got long beards and all this kind of thing. And so, you know, you see kids wearing superhero uh, shirts or you see people wearing country music shirts or what, you know, the clothes identify you and, and reflect who you are is what we're saying. And so for him to say he, as he clothed himself with cursing as with his garment, so let it enter his body like water and like oil into his bones. So David is making this statement of saying, if that's who you are, then accept it fully. You know, be that, you you will become that thing. It's going to seep into you. It's going to penetrate down and become part of your system. And it's kind of an ugly thing if you're not delighting in blessing, but you're loving cursing. Now, if you delight in blessing, the opposite will happen. You know, you will, you'll be filled with love and joy and peace and all these things that are associated with blessing. But to take on this cursing, to let your heart be so consumed with uh, just the, the loathsome and the detestable thoughts and feelings toward whatever group or person that you are interacting with. And in a lot of ways, this is what uh, is sort of coming to 
the boiling point in many of our societies as people are becoming um, polarized into one camp or another and they're stamping their flag down and saying, this is what we believe and we don't want to hear it. Anybody else has to say, and if you don't agree with us, then you're wrong and we wish you were dead and just get out of this place and just shut your mouth and just do, just be quiet and let us live our life and we're going to be the ones who make the decisions around here. <laughs> so it's the Bible gives us a picture of what that kind of life is like. And it's not a very pretty life. And it doesn't go anywhere. And this is the dangerous thing. So for instance, in, in Marxism, if you read about Marxism and all the different countries that have tried to implement Marxism, because Marxism grew up in, in uh, it became to power in Russia back in the day with this sense of we are going to revolutionize the world and everyone's going to live in this marvelous utopia. So that was the final goal. It was this marvelous utopia. But they began by saying, no God. There is no God. We are atheists. There is no God. So all of a sudden, everything now sits on their shoulders. They are the final authority. Humans are the final authority on everything. But now you've just, you've just eradicated your base. You've ripped out your foundation. You've destroyed any sort of of uh, moral objectivity or anything like that. It's gone now. And so it's all about what each individual person wants or a collective that, that claims that they have the power. So you have to always be pumping. The future will be brighter. The future will be brighter. Everything will be great as soon as we are able to have all power and everybody thinks the same way we think. In 70 years in communist Russia, that never happened. In 1993... I went to Russia, and it was a year after the coup took place, and so they had 70 years to create a perfect society. A whole generation of people grew up being told that there is no God, that communism is the best way of living life, that everything will be great if you just conform to our way of doing things, which is not having God, in, and all, everyone shares everything collectively and all that. When I went to Russia in 1993, it was sad. The people looked sad. Uh, everything was run down. Everything was sort of dingy and old, uh, sort of shallow, I guess, maybe another word, just thin. <laughs> there was no depth. Everything just seemed sort of barely there. And, uh, and I did, I mean, I was 18 years old. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about the persecution of the church in Russia. I didn't know anything about, um, you know, the, the evils that the communist Soviet empire had created. I had never read of Richard Wormbrand and any of his writing. I didn't know about people trying to escape out of East Germany over the wall. And I didn't know anything about that stuff. And so I was so ignorant of what was taking place in Russia at that time. But what we did is we came there with Bibles and we came there to bring the gospel presentation to the people of Russia. And so there was, I mean, I remember this lady, <laughs> I was handing her this, uh, I don't remember if it was a Bible or if it was some Christian book that we had um, translated into Russian and all that. I don't remember which, but it had a, a little bend on the cover. And so I set it to one side and got her one that was, that was nice. And she, I remember she sort of, her eyes got really big and she kissed me on the cheek and it was this old lady. And I was like, goodness sake, I'm just, I'm handing you this book. But she was so thrilled that I wanted to give her the, the best copy that I could give her. And, uh, 
and it was either a Bible or one of the books that we had or something like that. But there was, there was a hunger there because there was something lacking. And what was lacking was an understanding of God and his ways and how, uh, we could, we could actually love each other because Russia was built, communist Russia was built in the Soviet empire on this idea basically of everything was, <laughs> everything was a curse, which was very sad because it was all about the enemy and all about getting rid of anyone who was against us and all that. And you can read about the purges and things like this that took place. So it was very sad. So it was a garment almost that came across the entire country and it, and it identified in, in, in the country as a place that there is no God, therefore there is basically nothing. And that's what's terribly sad about living a life of cursing is because God is not about that. I mean, okay, so in Deuteronomy we have the blessing and the cursing chapters, but the cursing chapters are there as a way to create boundaries that you do not go beyond because God wants you within the boundaries of blessing. And so anytime we talk about freedom and to be able to live our life in freedom, we recognize that freedom has boundaries. At one, some point, you have to have somebody saying, uh-uh, if you go that far, then you're going outside the bounds of freedom. So freedom is not just being able to do anything you want. Freedom is actually putting up boundaries around you, and you're free in those boundaries, because if you go outside those boundaries, now you're getting involved in something that's um, uh, oppressive and unloving and, uh, and a curse. And so you have to, have, and so read the scriptures and find out. So for instance, Jesus says, uh, in Matthew 24, that, it, that in the end times, the love of, because lawlessness increases, the love of many will grow cold. So if you have lawlessness, in other words, I'm free to do anything I want, then you're actually going to lose love. And when you lose love, you you bring about a coldness and a hatred and a curse. And that's what happens when you end up going in that direction. So let's continue reading. So Psalm 109, David says in verse 17, As he loved cursing, so let it come to him. As he did not delight in blessings, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself with cursing as with a garment, so let it enter his body like water and like oil into his bones. Let it be to him like a garment, like the garment which covers him and for a belt which he girds himself continually. Let this be the Lord's reward to my accusers, to those who speak evil against my person. So David recognizes that he has been anointed by the Lord. He is God's chosen one. And David is always humble. He's always wanting God to be with him. In Psalm 51, he prays that God's spirit would not depart from him. But he, So he recognizes that people who are attacking him are his accusers, and they're saying things that are untrue about him. And so this, when, when you're in a position like David, who was king, I don't know exactly what time period uh, this was written in David's life, if he actually was king at this time, but you can read about the politics of our day. I mean, everybody knows that, it, that in the news, people are flinging out untrue things about all sorts of people all the time. It doesn't matter which way you go. If you're Democrat toward, toward Republican, Republican back the other way, or pick the party, pick the country. It doesn't matter. People are forever saying untrue things about other people. So David says, let this be the Lord's reward to my accusers, to those who speak evil against my person. That word accuser there is actually Satan. 
That's what it means, is Satan. So an accusing, an accusatory heart, a a a life of constantly accusing someone. You're the one at fault. You're the one that pop psych. Er, not, well, pop psychology, yeah, but. Uh, uh, psychology sort of breeds this sort of idea into people is to find out, you know, it's like, well, my parents were, eh, and oh, my employer, eh, and they just don't recognize my gifting, eh, and I wish I, how come they haven't given me, that person did this, and I'm, eh, and you're always, <laughs> I, I know it sounds pathetic, doesn't it? But always accusing the other person of something that, that you are, that, that makes you feel like you're the victim. If you if you create a victim mentality within yourself and you're always accusing the other person of being the fault by which you're not better off, then you're being Satan toward that person. I mean, I, it, I, it's blunt, I know, but that is the word right there. It is Satan. That is the that is the the noun of the word. They're my accusers, is what he's saying. They are my Satans. So this is a serious thing. So if you're and if that accusation turns into loathing and turns into detesting and turns into, oh, I wish they're all dead, you're basically living out the life of Satan is what you're doing. And it's just, this is what the Bible says. The Bible is sufficient to teach us the negative and the positive of life. And so in this case, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm focusing on the negative. It's sad, I know. But you got to have bad news sometimes to, to kind of make you think, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like Satan. Well, then stop accusing people falsely. Stop accusing people to make yourself look better. Stop being that kind of person because it's going to become a garment around you and eventually everyone will turn against you is what will happen. In the, you know, everybody, when you're in environments where nobody trusts each other, then everybody's against each other. And when everybody's against each other, nobody is going to support anybody else. And it's a system that will ultimately collapse and fall into the dirt. And so that's what happens. So let's wrap it up here. God bless you. <laughs> Sorry that I came on heavy there at the end. Uh, but this is our, our, our prompting to live a life of love and joy and blessing. So seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Read his word. Make it part of your life. Uh, live it out. If you have any questions or comments, email me at CalebTheElectrician at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Share this if you thought that it was a great blessing to you and you want to share it with other people, feel free to do that. Leave a comment somewhere, wherever you listen to this. I'm saying all the normal stuff everybody says at the end of all their podcasts. You know all that stuff. God bless you. We'll see you next time.